This is Digital Health Today, episode 28. That is the Estonian model, which means that our country and mostly public services, we can literally say that it is digital by default. The solution is not first developed in a traditional way and then given to IT guys to help to implement that. But the digital approach is part of the solution itself from the very beginning. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps and their new DealMaker program. Bear Grants for Apps is calling all mature teams, startups and companies that have a solution ready to go. The new DealMaker program is all about quality FaceTime between you and Bear experts for one full day. Don't wait. Applications are open until June 30th, 2017. Visit grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders working to make the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 28. One of the things we try to do on this show is to speak to leaders from around the world and dive into their experience about what they are doing to transform health in their regions. Today we're jumping over to the country of Estonia, a country of 1.3 million people situated on the Baltic Sea. Estonia borders Latvia and Russia and is across the water from its Scandic neighbor, Finland. Here to talk to us today is Ein Avikso. He's the Deputy Secretary General of eServices and Innovation at the Ministry of Social Affairs in Estonia. He's going to tell us about their business culture, their outstanding infrastructure, and the opportunities for outside companies and individuals to do research and business in Estonia. But first, let's talk about the digital health community. Thanks for tuning in and supporting the show. As we roll into summer, we have a full list of guests already lined up and great sponsors as well. As always, I welcome your comments and participation in this program. And if you have a story you'd like to share, then please visit the website and tell me about it. Jump on the contact page at digitalhealthtoday.com and use any of the links there to get in touch. You can also email me directly at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com or tweet me at healthtechdan. We welcome your articles and suggestions on how to make this platform most effective and helpful to you. We continue to get lots of great interest in the online digital health innovation program we're running. It's called the Digital Health Jumpstart, and we're working on projects for startups, corporates, universities, and not-for-profits to tailor this program for specific audiences. If you're working to cross the chasm and bring your innovation to implementation, or you simply want to understand more about the process, you should check this program out. Find out more about it by clicking on the links on the website, or just go straight to digitalhealthjumpstart.com. We're bringing together a world-class team of instructors with decades of experience to help you accelerate your work in digital health. Get in touch and I can share more about this program and how it can be used in your organization. All right. I am ready to bring you today's guest. Estonian companies have transformed our experience with telephony through Skype and banking with TransferWise, and they have their sights now set on transforming the way people experience health and wellness as well. To tell us all about it, I went straight to Ein Avikso. As the Deputy Secretary General of eServices and Innovation at the Ministry of Social Affairs in Estonia, he works to combine medicine and informatics to disrupt healthcare in a great way. Estonia has a long history of digital innovation across public and private services. They've successfully migrated traditional brick-and-mortar activities to online, and they've implemented things like electronic voting and even an electronic residency program that's open to anyone around the world. Ein and I spoke about the various services and programs available in Estonia and how they're positioned to help individuals and companies who would like to leverage the infrastructure they have in place. You can find out more information about these programs and everything we talk about on this show by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 28. That's the number 28. 
Now, without further ado, here's the conversation with Ein Avixo. Ein, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. Pleasure is mine. So, Ein, I've spoken to the listeners and I've given them some information about your background. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey that's taken you to where you are there in the Estonian Health Service? I'm trained as a medical doctor, but I have always been a little bit uh, unhappy, so to say, by helping people just one by one. And my other passion has always been technology. Estonia has been a lucky place where all the new technological solutions have been made available and, and have become part of your everyday life. So I'm curious enough to, to try them out. And that's all melted together, ending up in working initially while practicing uh, or studying medicine, uh, also um, starting Estonian first health portal for, for patients. Then, uh, well, uh, I have had luxury to uh, uh, start uh, five uh, small startups, two of them which I successfully sold and, and three of them uh, didn't uh, work out so well. Uh, and uh, worked also as an independent uh, and freelance consultant after uh, I did my Master of Public Health uh, at Harvard on decision analysis and healthcare technologies. So that was perhaps the place where my current, I would say, set of, of, of skill and activities uh, boiled to what I call Technology supported large-scale innovation in health and social care. And that's what I do. So first I did that as a, as a freelance consultant. And now last two years, I help Estonian Ministry of Social Affairs, which is responsible for healthcare, social care and labor market services, directly and indirectly, 60% of public budget to get to a next level uh, through digitalization and innovation. That's great. Now, I've not had the opportunity yet to travel to Estonia, so I don't know a lot about your country. I know it's a relatively small country. You've got about 1.3 million people who live there. How is it that Estonia has become such a powerhouse in complex services and, and software development? Well, there could be several hypotheses. I have my own. So it's a combination of dedicated and actually long tradition of engineering even during the time when uh, we were occupied by you know soviet uh, regime engineering in estonia including it at that time was very high so our first healthcare it center was established in 1973 and uh, at that time you needed permission to to buy powerful computers from Moscow and, yes, Estonians, somewhere in the end of 70s, had perhaps the most powerful computers, which were initially also used to crunch through uh, numbers and, and, and mostly financial numbers, but also statistics in healthcare, even at that time. Then, in 1992, when we regained independence, was the year when actually uh, internet, as we know it today, uh, became public. So, I think an important part was that since Estonians as society wanted to leave behind anything that reminded us the old things and embraced everything that was new. So immediately internet seemed to be the right thing because it was new. So at the societal level, taking up new things, also trying to get rid of old legacy systems, 
is what has helped uh, in, in many ways. And then, yes, we had in the beginning of this uh, century very smart and motivated prime minister who told that, well, we are a small country. We can't afford each of our departments to, to talk and uh, build, uh, talk separate uh, information systems and uh, build their own uh, uh, solutions. So we will build one so that all our departments could talk to each other. And as the country was young enough, the departments were too strong. So that plan went through. And now we are enjoying actually the, the results of that, that we do have integrated system that all public agencies can uh, exchange information securely. And also private sector is using uh, the same data exchange layer so that it's easy to combine and integrate not only public services, but also private and public services together. So that model you just described, is that the e-Estonia model? That is the Estonian model, which means that our country and mostly public services, we can we can uh, literally say that it is digital by default. So we have been practicing 15 years of uh, state and public services building, whereby the solution is not first developed in a traditional way and then given to IT guys to help to implement that. But the digital approach is part of the solution itself from the very beginning. And, and this is perhaps uh, sometimes for us difficult to understand why aren't others doing the same way because it feels natural for us. So you mentioned that you were involved with about five different startups. You said two were successful, three uh, weren't so much. We've seen technologies come out like Skype and years ago, Kazaa, the file sharing service, and more recently, TransferWise, which is a phenomenal service and has grown just exponentially. I think it's only a few years old, and it's a, just an absolutely brilliant way to send money overseas and to other people. Tell me a little bit about the, the startup culture there and how that's developed. The startup culture is perhaps part of the same phenomenon that Estonians are brave to try out new things. Uh, the public sector has supported that approach. And then we were lucky to have uh, first a few really good companies who were then uh, sold to, to international, while well, Skype is a good example, to international players. And then the people who were in Estonia had this positive experience and uh, it multiplied then across others. And also the image of those people who have uh, started their own company is perceived widely as something desirable. And in that way, I think it's an interesting mix of uh, society whereby the Nordic kind of social model in one hand is something that is uh, desired uh, because, you know, people are happy and everybody wants to have a happy life. But at the same time, since Estonia is not as rich as the Nordic countries, Sweden, Norway, uh, or our closest neighbor, uh, Finland, so we have to find our way to get the same level of nice uh, services uh, and uh, while well, startups have been the ones who have kind of initiated those things and well so far at least uh, this is really something that people or children at school want to do and then universities and uh, well the whole ecosystem has uh, kind of played along with that. Yeah I can imagine that those stories get a lot of attention internally and really help change the the culture in a very short space of time because there's such phenomenal success stories 
that I imagine it really motivates a, a group of young people with already a strong environment of engineering and scientific pursuits to really apply themselves in defining this new culture, this new future, and utilizing what is already existing in Estonia to try to do uh, globally changing things. So you've got an integrated system. You've got a startup culture there. How are you then taking all of that integration and expertise and applying it into essential services like healthcare? Estonia has, even for public services, well, we do have in Estonia, like in most European countries, social model uh, for providing healthcare. We have one single public purchaser of healthcare services. But at the same time, for instance, all the healthcare providers, even if they are owned by uh, municipalities or in some cases municipalities together with with state have formed foundations uh, or limited liability companies they operate under private law and from the very beginning the idea that healthcare providers even if controlled by public entities should compete to get money from public agency health insurance fund in order to provide a better care and since we then had independent, uh, decentralized providers. We needed system that would help them also to exchange information in order to provide uh, user experience for patients that uh, connects those different providers. And then since we had this nationwide universal secure data exchange layer called called X-Road, and we didn't have to build a dedicated one for healthcare. We could tap on this universal uh, uh, service platform and then build natural services for integrating primary care providers uh, with hospitals, applying uh, digital prescription system so that uh, if you as a patient would, would get your prescription uh, from any uh, provider, you can then go to any pharmacy and, and purchase your, your medicines uh, there. And the uptake from zero to 80% took place in, in nine months. We are using and exploiting heavily the the assets and, and resources uh, that we have. Well, because, as I told in the beginning, people want it, and they have learned that these services do add value to their lives. Yeah, I read that about 97% of the prescriptions are digital. Is that an accurate number? Yes, currently it is at least 97%. It could be even higher by today, because it really... You know, there, there has to be a, a problem with a computer uh, at the doctor's office uh, if you would get it on paper because uh, neither doctor nor the patient actually wants uh, it anymore on paper. There's also a significant portion of your population that's donated their genes for research, right, to the Estonian Genome Center? Yes, the Estonian Genome Center is, uh, since 2001, collected 5% of adult population. Since Estonian population is small, it, it boils down to 50,000. It is quite a good and representative sample of individuals uh, who have, in addition to their blood, also given informed consent that their genetic data can be combined with all possible healthcare and also other sources uh, of data so that patterns that genes might uh, uh, reveal 
for uh, healthcare or reacting to healthcare interventions uh, could be uh, studied. And the research group in University of Tartu is uh, perhaps one of the most successful research groups by publishing regularly in Science and Nature and getting grants from NIH from the United States or, or European uh, research agencies. And now for the last two years, we have been preparing transfer of this research goose laying golden eggs into clinical practice and also to get health care from a cost domain into uh, economic development uh, and economic uh, growth engine. And just today, we published an open call uh, for consortiums who would then bid for their approach to implement personalized medicine at a nationwide scale in clinical practice. So covering the whole range of activities, starting from blood sample collection to analyzing that, making uh, uh, gene analysis, combining that with health data, providing decision support system to physicians and patients, and then combining the behavioral change together with the clinical interventions, and then measuring that and making a learning system for all the relationships that genes through this interaction may have. We expect these consortiums to put their bids on table in the in the coming three months. And next year, they're the first, as far as I know, global rollout of personalized medicine in clinical setting will take place in Estonia. I was just going to ask you about that because I, I did read about a pilot that was started in 2015 around personalized medicine. And so the call has been issued today. Where can listeners find out about that call for consortiums and applications? It is uh, on the webpage of Estonian Research Agency. And the follow-up, so we start with two clinical uh, use cases. It's uh, a precision prevention for breast cancer and then precision prevention uh, for high-risk cardiovascular diseases. And uh, the follow-up, we have a list of 20 potential use cases. The follow-up uh, use cases will be rolled out starting from next year and after that gradually. So, uh, well, I would, I would say stay tuned and probably even, even more news are coming on that uh, line. We'll get right back to the interview in just a minute. But first, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps. Bears put together an additional, brand new program that I wanted to make sure to tell you all about. The new program is called the Dealmaker Program. This program is aimed at mature teams, startups, and companies that have a solution ready to go. The brand new Dealmaker Program is all about providing quality face time between you and Bear experts for one full day. If there's a match, then you'll be invited to Berlin to pitch your solution, discuss collaboration options, and even close a deal. You have a long way to travel? Don't worry, travel expenses are taken care of. Find out if there's a mutual interest in starting a bigger journey together. Applications for the Dealmaker program are being accepted until the 30th of June, 2017. What are they looking for? There's a list available on their website that includes hemophilia, women's health, ophthalmology, pulmonology, nephrology, artificial intelligence, data analysis, and clinical trials, but they're also open to other solutions that may be a good fit. Sound like this is for you? Applications are open now, and again, the deadline to apply is June 30th, 2017. Get full details on their website at grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Now let's jump back to the conversation. 
how about the business environment? We talked a little bit earlier about the startup environment, the fact that you know having big success with companies like Skype and Kazaa years ago really created a, a great sense of ambition. And you said competitiveness within the Estonian culture made people want, want to really pour themselves into trying to create these new tech startups. And we've seen it recently with TransferWise, which I mentioned earlier. How about the actual business environment? Is it friendly for people to come over and, and set up businesses there? Is it easy for them to then recruit talent? At least uh, last two or three years, Estonia has been ranked as the country where there are most startups per capita. So yes, companies are being established and actually run from Estonia. With our e-residency program, of course, so you can start a company and enjoy the same digital services, but still reside in a place where the climate is nicer than, than here in Estonia. And also the culture of uh, trying out something new, embracing uh, companies. For instance, our parliament uh, is uh, preparing a law that would enable really well-balanced and proper tax collection from sharing economy. So it's called Uber law, but actually it's it's for, for Airbnb and all, all the others. There's genuine interest from the, from the public sector not to try to fight with these new technologies and services, but really try to uh, try ways how to accommodate that uh, into what we call here digital society. So you mentioned the e-residency program. I don't think we've gone into that yet. Can you explain how that works and how people who are interested can get involved? Well, Everyone, uh, I really mean everyone, can become an e-resident of Estonia. And that means you will have digital identity, which is uh, then used to uh, authenticate you to use digital services that are available in Estonia. For instance, open a company, a bank account, and start running business inside European Union. Uh, so you can apply for that e-residency uh, currently in, in all Estonian embassies. And I know they are working on that, whether you need actually to come physically to the embassy or you can basically exchange your existing uh, real identity from whatever government it has been issued and then trying to match uh, it uh, with your uh, you know, face and, uh, and, and all other uh, properties uh, and then combine that into a digital identity. So you can't vote in Estonian elections, but you can run the business from wherever inside EU. I read about Edward Lucas, who was the first person to get the e-residency a few years ago, I think. And it's the first of its kind. I mean, the e-residency is a, another Estonian first globally creating this sort of program. I'm still not really clear, though, on what the real advantage is, though. It perhaps uh, may just be a good way to entry into a uh, European Union market. So if you want to establish a company in the European Union, which Estonia is part of, so this would be, in my view, the easiest uh, uh, thing to do that. Now, in my own area, I can envisage that the Genome Bank and uh, digital health services that are currently available to Estonians, if they uh, verify themselves digitally, could be also offered to uh, to others. So if you do trust the infrastructure and the services, and the way it works here in Estonia is that, yes, state provides the infrastructure, but it is also possible for private companies to use the same infrastructure. It doesn't mean that you know all the data flows through the government uh, servers. The only thing that government provides is a trusted service just uh, when two sides, private sides, uh, meet digitally. So it 
gives the guarantee that the one pretending to be a company and another one pretending to be another company or another individual are the individuals that they say they are. And then whatever business they do between each other is uh, uh, on them. So that uh, the goal to have 10 million Estonians instead of 1.4, which we physically have, could include also those uh, who want to uh, get their health and, and, and genetic information pulled into what I would call citizen data cooperatives, and then enable either to be part of uh, services provided by third parties based on the, the data that you have, or then also be part of what we just discussed, a potential uh, a clinical research whereby you can have first-hand access uh, to, to new uh, drugs and technologies, but yet you don't have to ship over your data to the, to the company who is actually doing the research. That helps me understand it because actually I would, I'm curious if you're actually going to see an increase in companies from perhaps the UK as, as we see Brexit looming and a lot of companies being very concerned about their uh, competitiveness within the EU. So just on the heels of that, very soon the Estonian president is going to be taking over the six-month rotation of the EU, the presidency of the EU. So does that afford Estonia any opportunities to try to advance the e-health agenda across all of the EU and perhaps utilize some of the Estonian experience? Yes. The truth is that the presidency means that basically chairing all the European meetings and, and discussing the agenda is what it at hand of the, of the country currently having the presidency. The goal of the presidency is to bring the experience of uh, health and digital society to everyone as much as possible. And the tangible uh, two things to me that I would expect to get from it is first to understand security in health uh, data usage, different from securing it from being used, but rather using it securely so that we don't start the discussion with a question which currently is the case is it safe but uh, started with a question oh how can you do it safely so this within six months uh, you, you you can achieve only certain things but this mindset i hope will change and then another thing is that i would say there is enough piloting uh, and i know this is also the 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 approach and understanding uh, from european commission officials but again, uh, many regions in Europe, that we should uh, start using both European money, but also inside uh, each member state money to scale up and start implementing digital serv services in healthcare at scale. We have enough uh, evidence, so also a little bit changing the programs and the, and the, and the approach which is being supported to really uh, larger initiatives. That's great, Ayn. And you, know, you bring up such an important point, and I really want to drive home around the security aspect because so many times in implementation discussions around new technology, particularly in health, well, in every area of, of digital solutions, but certainly in healthcare, people get really caught up on the security piece. And it is obviously crucially important, but it is not an excuse to not do anything. It, it, it needs to be identified, the risks need to be measured, and you need to put in a plan to mitigate those risks. And, and as you say, use it securely, but use it and find ways to, to implement this because that's, that's, really that's where we're going to get the maximum benefit from the power that these services offer is if it's actually implemented uh, and utilized. And 
Estonia not only has a great track record in terms of all this innovation and this internal system that you've created and made available to Estonians and now through the e-residency program to people from around the world, but also the, the country and the culture has a very strong history in the security sector, in the internet security sector. I know that the country is the home to NATO's Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence, and you have a lot of work going on within the country. So it's it's really key, I think, to to have that dual focus of, yes, we're going to have health technology, we're going to have all sorts of new innovative ways to utilize data and genomics and uh, personalized medicine and apply these things through prescription programs and everything else, but also a very robust, secure way of identifying individuals through through e-residency programs and your uh, national identification number and, and having both those things work in concert. Yes, that is that is true. I uh, see secure usage of data consisting of, of three components. First, you need to have a legal framework that defines what that is. And in case of Estonia, it explicitly says that it's the individual who has full control uh, over the data. And then uh, the responsibilities to other parties who are processing their data, which is very much in line with the new general data protection regulation, which will be in force across Europe as of next May. Now, second thing, you need to have technologies which are evolving. So, uh, well, we have uh, our uh, X-Road. We have been uh, hashing our uh, metadata of our medical files for the last seven years. But now we're using private blockchain technology to give additional guarantee to the integrity of data so that we can really say not only by the government, but actually there is an independent agent telling that, yes, this data has been kept securely and no one else has uh, had access to that. And then third, which is also very important, is something what I call data governance. So our data protection agency doesn't look just, you know, how you tell you keep your data. They, they go and, and see your physical premises, your organization measures. But you also need to show that you maintain this process uh, where, where data is being managed in such a way that you can verify uh, quickly and effic- effectively if something has gone wrong already at the early stage. And then uh, that also includes, in case of Estonia, transparent uh, opportunity of each individual see who has done what with the data. So it's not a blind trust, it's actual uh, individual control of all the data processes in Estonia. And these three components, legal framework, technology, and data governance, can be organized in different settings you know, uh, differently. So it's not there is an Estonian model that one has to uh, import. It is understanding what you can do using those three features in your specific circumstances and then deliver the value-adding services to your citizens so that everybody will be happy. I think you just summed it up beautifully. Uh, that that's really a great way of enumerating the the three components that are so key to to providing that sort of secure framework and way of applying it to different markets. Let me ask you. I know you're working with Brian O'Connor and the ECH Alliance, and my understanding is there's a conference coming up in October that is being organized in Estonia that you're drawing thought leaders from around the world to really promote some of the work you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about that event and uh, when it is and where it's being held and what the focus is going to be? Yeah, the eHealth conference uh, is uh, a part of Estonian EU presidency. It takes place in October uh, 16th till 18th. We will have at least three EU commissioners who have confirmed their participation, including Vice President uh, uh, Andros Ansip. And it is a place where declaration 
uh, from grassroots, so citizen organizations, patient organizations, uh, research uh, and uh, industry organizations will kind of uh, sign a call to action list of uh, things that need to be done. And we hope this will become kind of guidance and blueprint for uh, the next activities. But the conference in itself will bring together 700 delegates in two and a half day experience in uh, about health in digital society. So you can get on stage only if you have actually achieved something meaningful and, and you can tell and show to the audience that it is possible and what it uh, creates. And so we hope uh, a really uh, exciting and, and, and wonderful uh, days. Large companies also will uh, have a physical presence uh, with their exhibition so that the talk from the stage could be then uh, also reflected uh, in actual contact. Excellent. We'll have a link to that event on the events page on Digital Health Today. So digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash events. And uh, also there will be a link to it from the show notes of this episode. So thanks very much for sharing information about that. Ayn, I have a few questions that I'd like to ask every guest. Do you have a few more minutes for me? Yes, I do. Fantastic. Can you give me a, a favorite saying or quote that motivates you? Actually, it, it, it may sound a little bit uh, uh, technical, but Michael Porter uh, and his approach to strategy, which goes that uh, strategy is choosing what not to do. So uh, what I try to apply it, it in everyday practice is that focus on those things uh, that uh, are really, uh, in my view, have potential to change at scale things. So uh, that is why I, uh, uh, I keep pushing for personalized medicine uh, personally, because I think this is the, the strategic thing. And I end up in debates with all others who tell that, okay, uh, we have little money and we have already some people who are waiting in queues and why don't we use all that money just providing immediate care today? And then I tell them, Yes, uh, we should spend some money also to looking uh, to to provide much better care in the future, and that's what keeps me uh, driving. What advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? Look at the needs and desires of people. I think we are seeing a radical transformation of uh, a health system, changing from the industry of providers into industry of uh, users. Doctors will be there, insurance companies will be there, but it is people who will tell what doctors and insurance companies would need to do for them. Excellent. What book do you recommend to our listeners? Well, to understand what information is, uh, I, I uh, got intrigued by James Clake's information and that, that, that's the name of the book, Information, the Flood. It's a scientific care history book. So it basically tells how Claude Shannon discovered uh, or developed uh, the, the information theory as we know it today. But it's, it's written as a, uh, a thriller. So, uh, and after that, uh, I think understanding what the information society is, is very different to me. And uh, that, that, that is perhaps one thing. And then, of course, when uh, you want to innovate uh, healthcare, then Clayton Christensen's Innovators Prescription uh, for Healthcare 
uh, definitely uh, blows your mind in the sense that you can and you should think uh, differently of, of healthcare. What technology do you use that you wouldn't want to live without? Something that makes your life a lot easier. Oh, definitely it is uh, information technology. Anything in particular? Any particular system or software or app that you use? Well, the uh, it is not only, I mean, uh, uh, Google, but uh, in combination of the internet. So the way how basically arguments, at least, you know, in, in my close circle, mostly have uh, become obsolete is that you you have this access to the, the, the global knowledge and information. And I really wouldn't like to give that away in, uh, in, in any way. I, I think I use my, my mobile phone or my computer like every five to ten minutes to, to, to check and get some information from outside. So I'm working already in, uh, inside uh, this, uh, this world. If I gave you a check for $5 million today for you to invest in health technology, how would you invest it? I've mentioned already AI, and what I would do is I would immediately set up what I, what I call a, a citizen data cooperative and then provide them with the tools that already give a better information and would support them in getting personalized care and then would offer this as a, as a, as a platform to all other companies who want to uh, provide for those individuals who are in control of the data and actually, I believe, could uh, should also get a, a, a small, let's say, a share or a, a profit from all the companies uh, who make good products using uh, those uh, citizens' data. So citizen data cooperative uh, transforming uh, the care. What are good ways for the audience to follow what you're doing and some of the programs that you're working on are doing? What's a good way to follow you? Yes, uh, I, I personally do have uh, both Twitter uh, and, and LinkedIn accounts, uh, which uh, are easy. Uh, my first and last name combined, I know, so in, in, in both of them. But for Estonia, I think uh, eHealthTallinn2017 as a hashtag is something that we're using in order to promote the eHealth uh, conference in October. And we will try to bring there well, our own best examples, but also globally. I know already Joe Kreder from the United States. There are people from, from China, from Australia, and of course, from all European countries coming together and showing what health and digital society would look like. So what website should people go to? So estonia.ee is the website which introduces you to the overall digital uh, society in Estonia. Healthcare being part of that, but also all other areas which we actually try to combine with health and care. Excellent. Estonia.ee will have those. Uh, we'll have that link on the show notes. Thanks for mentioning that. I'm, that about wraps up our, our conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners before we let you go? Thank you, Dan. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I'm now a follower of your, of your show. Uh, and I suggest everyone to do so. Excellent. Thank you so much for your support, Ayn. There you have it. That was Ayn Avikso, the Deputy Secretary General of eServices and Innovation at the Ministry of Social Affairs in Estonia. Check out all the links to the things we discussed by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 28. While you're there, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. And I'd love it, as always, if you could leave us a review on iTunes as well. Thanks to our sponsor, Bayer Grants for Apps. Don't forget to apply for their dealmaker program by June 30th. You can find more information at grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. 
Tune in next week as we speak to Michelle Longmire, CEO and founder of Medible. And we have even more great guests coming from all over the world to share their knowledge and experience in transforming healthcare. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at HealthTechDan and follow the show at DHealth Today. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of the digital health community. That's all for me for now. Until next time, keep on innovating.